by the powers vested in me by the Federal Communications Commission, I command you to get on the microphone in a serious manner and continue this broadcast. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Have mercy. Have mercy. Welcome to Cairo Nights, everybody. We hope you uh, we hope you enjoyed uh, Cairo's coverage of the State of the Union address from President Joe Biden to a joint session of Congress, along with the hoot nanny of yellbacks and callbacks and white trash responses from the from the cheap seats. Uh, I'm Spike <laughs> O'Neill. <laughs> you guys, my review of the evening, Matt Markovich. How? What did you think of the event? Well, I, you made me laugh about the cheap seats there. <laughs> that's me. Um, that's you. No, it's not you. That's no. We're not. We're buddy. We're we're in the we're in the in the uh, the, the side wings. We're the, the viewing gallery. Uh, welcome, Matt Markovich, ladies and gentlemen, from Cairo News Radio's newsroom. And um, we were scheduled to talk tonight a little bit about more of the uh, the goings on in Olympia for the 2023 legislative session down there in uh, the state capitol. But uh, w- did you get to watch the State of the Union? Did you uh, lean I watched, in? Uh, I watched and listened to most of it, and I just listened to Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Just, I thought that was probably the most inflammatory uh, <laughs> response I've ever seen on a, on a State of the Union by the opposing party. Well, I, I, you know, it, it's, I don't mean to be so – I'm trying this year, Matt, to be more um, understanding, open-minded – empathetic to those whom I disagree with from a political view. Uh, but when I watched President Biden's speech, and we, everybody knows my political leanings, I'm, I'm not going to win any fans from the conservative side of our listening audience. I, and I can respect that. I understand we have different priorities and different points of view. Well, there goes that interview with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Get right? her on it's the phone, man. I'll, co- I'll compliment her on her bathrobe and everything. Why she did it in the bathrobe, I just don't you understand. Well, they ran a really soft focus on her lens there. Like, wow, was, don't they have a clear lens in Arkansas well, there? The, the latest in Carrie Lake technology? Yeah, I believe they yeah. did use that. They put the um, Barbara Walters filter seriously, on. Seriously, seriously. I just had to do that when you said Baba Wawa. Ah, uh, God rest her soul. Now it's it's. I watched President Biden's State of the Union, and to to rebut that with a a call for the crazy radical woke Biden administration being unfit to serve. I didn't hear anything from the State of the Union that you should classify as crazy, untethered to reality, woke. You know, I mean, sure they they talked about you know inclusion. And the LGBTQ community got a reference toward the very last moments of the speech. But for the most part, it was kitchen table issues, that, uh, you know, addressing the economic uh, challenges of every American. So it's when your rebuttal was written before the speech and you completely are answering a question that wasn't asked or responding mm-hmm. to statements that weren't made. I mean, they say they're choosing between, you know, crazy and reality. I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the newly elected governor of Arkansas, was speaking on the side of crazy. Well, I, I think, and I was hopping around after the speech to see who all the political pundits were saying, and one said that, you know, Sarah Huckabee's Sanders' job was just to get out of there alive. That was how the heat Really? And this is from uh, News Nation, so this is kind of like on the right side of uh, the right side of everything there on News Nation, yeah. of all places. All 5,000 of us were watching that. Um, and <laughs> you, you bumped up to a .08 chair just leaning in tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I know. 
But I thought, you know, uh, you made a point that, you know, this is it's a no-win situation for the rebuttal, for, almost for any time, you know, even when Gary Locke did it. You know, right, way back right. In I the remember day. that. Um, uh, so, I, you know, if we want to go back to the speech, though, uh, I think it's true that he – it showed – what if you saw a little the? I think everyone's going to be talking about the Republican outbursts. Yeah, calling him a liar in the middle of his speech. Well, yeah, um, Marjorie Taylor Greene calling him a liar, and then just kind of having a back and forth like you're at a comedy club. You know, yeah, and that that's the table you want escorted from the room at a comedy club. By the way, the ones heckling the the, the speaker who don't let the program move forward. That you know, they're always so welcome. That table yeah. full of drunken. You know, carpenters or or bridesmaids. I'm not going to pick either gender to, to crucify at this moment. I just you call know, it family. Yeah, <laughs> that's his family. And, right. And apparently, the speaker, uh, you know, had, had his caucus this morning and say, "Look, don't get baited into something during the speech." And obviously, people didn't listen to him, so they heckled him back. And then he had set him up with that uh, that right cross in a way when he talked about Medicare. And right. so you guys are gonna stand up for seniors and had them stand up because no one's gonna, you know, both sides right. are gonna right. stand up for seniors. Well, that that was so well done because he makes a statement. I know some of the members of the party, other my opponents, you know, are talking about uh, you know sunsetting out Medicare and Social Security, and and they all shout liar in unison. I mean, well, first they applauded, you know, not passing a clean debt ceiling, and a bill, and they are not raising a debt ceiling with a clean bill, and then they he mentioned as you said raising. Social Security or eliminating Social Security and Medicare that some Republicans were that and they all started shouting liar. Now, to be fair and to be clear, Rick Scott's proposal clearly does that. And his his proposal had some support. It's not it's not the policy of the Republican Party by any way, shape or form. And Biden said that he said, but some of you are for that. And like you said, he totally baited them in. Well, let's all agree right here and right now. Social Security and Medicare are off the table. Let's stand up for. So he got a, a nationally televised. Republican agreement to leave Social Security and Medicare out of any negotiations on raising the debt ceiling. That was some brilliant stuff. Yeah. And, you know, that just shows you that the leadership of the Republican Party in the House, they don't have all their cats lined up. They don't, you know, they don't crowd all the sheep. You know, they still got some outliers there that kind of embarrassed themselves on national TV. Well, just got punked, totally, totally played by a guy too old to know where the documents are or too old to drive the damn Corvette down the roads of Delaware. Well, I, I do admit that I, that I, the, I don't think the Democrats are talking about it. At the very beginning, he couldn't remember what Chuck Schumer did. I mean, he, he, had he a introduced couple, yeah. Chuck Schumer. He, he's like, uh, majority. Uh, and, 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 I, and I think I, I think I noticed a moment where he was going to try to pronounce the ambassador of Ukraine's name and bailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when he ambassador, uh, ambassador uh, uh, stand up, take, uh, take, let's take yeah. a look at you. You know, yeah. uh, but good for you, Joe. Think it on your feet. I'm never going to get that right. That's going to become the sound clip of this whole night. Let's just introduce the ambassador from Ukraine. It does show a certain level of mental acuity when you know when to dodge. Yes, yes, and to set up a whole side, of, you know, a whole political party for the like for the the right cross, like Matt said. So mm-hmm. you know, I have a partisan viewpoint. I'm sure there are folks. You know, I mean, like like you said, Matt, Matt Markovich, ladies and gentlemen, from the Cairo newsroom, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the most, you know, um, venomous and vitriol moments of the night. When she comes out right off the bat and says, you know, I, I, I know when not to believe what I hear. Like everything Biden said was a lie. You can disagree with the policy points of President Biden and his party's agenda. But to just say you can't believe anything he just said to you in the State of the Union, 
that just well, there goes what shred of credibility you had left after a year and a half of of being one of the most, um, let's say, fluid with fact White House press secretaries in our history. Mm-hmm. I thought she was an interesting choice for rebuttal. Well, I mean, maybe she because she had a she would take on the no win situation. Mm-hmm. I, I was sitting there watching it with my wife and my wife who's pretty middle of the road and not totally into politics, and she looked at me and says, is she running? Does she want to run for president next year? I, 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 had the same thought. I had the same thought. And I said, you know, Nikki Haley was going to will smoke her in that race if that ever happens. Um, but the fact that she talks so much about herself and us and Republicans, and again, I think you're saying it was pre-taped, yeah. um, you know, obviously before the speech, um, I just thought it just didn't address any of the Republican issues that they're talking about. And it was all about me and my new job as the governor of Arkansas. And they they hit the Republican talking points of, you know, crazy, crazy left, radical spending, spend, spending us into oblivion, you know, burning your tax dollars in a bonfire, open border, open sky, you know, yada, all the things yeah. you hear without any real, I don't know, we can have differences of opinion on policy. But I think uh, speaking from a position of, of knowing what reality is would go a long way to help their cause. And I didn't think she hit that tonight. But like you said, it was get it out, get in, get out, get over with, take a few punches as possible and move on. Yep. And then claim yep. victory at the end of the day, right? It's like the pigeon who flips over the checkers board and declares victory. That's what we had to look at for the rebuttal speech yeah. tonight. But let's talk about things closer to home, if you we bet. can. So you you've, been da- you've been down in Olympia watching this legislative session go on. And we talk in the hallways here at Cairo uh, during the day, Matt and I, and some of the things you bring up about what's, you know, what's getting the time of for hearings and what's not in Olympia, it just really blows my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put this. I can set it up in a different way here about what we're talking about here, kind of the contrast of things. Um, excuse me. The uh, yesterday was a big day for on the Senate side for trying to solve the drug possession law, which expires in July. You know, basically, just real quickly to recap. You know, two years ago we had a drug possession law that if you're caught with it meant mostly all the illegal drugs. It was a Class C felony, and you could face prison time. Well, the way that the Supreme U.S. State Supreme Court ruled is that law was unconstitutional, and it's, then we didn't have a law. So they quickly put in a fix where if someone's caught with uh, illegal drugs like fentanyl, heroin, cocaine, you name it, uh, in the possession of it, the officer basically says, okay, I'm going to cite you. Oh, but first I'm going to give you a pass and give you uh here's a here's an invitation to go get treatment you get two of these so if you don't show up for treatment next time i pull you over or whatever and caught with that thousand bag of thousand fentanyl pills well here's your second shot at treatment you give them that and if they don't show up and they catch them again then the officer will give them a ticket basically a misdemeanor it's you know the most you can get is 90 days in jail for having your thousand fentanyl pills on you in downtown seattle and that's what we have right now. That expires. And in July, it goes back to no law at all, just no penalty whatsoever. So they have to do something. Both sides says, well, we're going to fix it. They have to fix it. They have to do something. And so yesterday they had four proposals. And I'm going to just tell you right off, the two extremes are going to be thrown out. The first one was Mike Republican Mike Patton, who basically proposed – Let's go back the way it was. It's going to be a felony if you're caught with drugs on you, 
it's going to be, you know, a five-year t- prison term or $25,000 fine, Class C felony, and that's what we had before. And and basically, as I've been putting it, there's no carrot, there's no incentive for the uh, uh, the suspect or the accused of taking treatment that's not part of the deal. So if we use that carrot and stick analogy, that was a no carrot and a big stick. Then you have the other version, uh, another version of the fix from Senator Mongredingra, which we've talked about before, the uh, nice senator from Redmond who chairs the very powerful committee that all these bills are going through. She's the one who didn't allow uh, for a pursuit bill to be heard. So her proposal is basically decriminalizing everything. Let's have personal amounts allowable for all these drugs. You can name it, heroin, uh, methamphetamine, uh, fentanyl. Let's have a a law that says everybody's allowed to have a personal amount, although it doesn't define what a personal amount is, and decriminalize it. And then basically she's treating the substance abuse problem as a total health care issue that's totally separate from law enforcement. So that bill, I, I predict that that bill won't get out. The, the, the extreme bill with the big heavy stick won't get out. It's going to be this carrot and a somewhat big stick. Uh, two bills are somewhat similar are going to probably get out of committee in some form and gonna get written. And the basic line of that is if you're caught with uh, uh, illegal drugs, uh, what happens is you either you get a deferral or a deferment before the court setting to go to treatment, or another bill has it that you you go to court, but instead of getting um, penalized and go to jail, if you agree to do treatment, we won't we may vacate your record and and if you could complete treatment, it's like nothing happened. It's no harm, no foul. Okay, but if you don't go to treatment, you choose not to go to treatment, it's immediate forty five days in jail. And the next time this happens, 90 days in jail. And if the next time it happens, it's 90 days in jail. And so you're back to that cycle again where there is a stick, but there's a big carrot there. And between the two bills, one carrot is that you got to take the treatment. The other one is, is you got to take the treatment, and the treatment is between 12 and 18 months. So what's going to happen probably come out of the, the, the legislature is going to be some form of those two bills melded together. And they have bipartisan support, which is very important. Uh, and this was heard on the Senate side already, and then the House version is going to come up. So we're going to have something like that, and they're going to be mushing and mushing around that. And, you know, we were kind of talking about, well, this is so important. They only gave it two hours. They put four bills in front of this huge Senate committee, and the line to speak was out the door, and they only allowed two hours. That's Monker Dinger, the, the chairman, the chairperson allowed that. Only two hours to debate this, and this may be, may be the first time or and the last time anybody has a chance to say something directly to lawmakers about what they feel about this. And they were given two minutes. It was a lot of mayors, a lot of police chiefs, a lot of health experts testifying. And the average person, I didn't, I think maybe one or two average people were able to testify because the line was just too long. Is there any kind of re, recourse when something this important, this is a health issue, this is a crime issue, drugs are probably the number one issue facing our community, because it's the underlying issue to so many other problems that we have, from crime to homelessness, you name it, there's a drug element to all of these things. Mm-hmm. How can these four different proposals be given so little time? And it's just the one committee chair governs what gets the light of day and what doesn't. That's right. Is there that's, any recourse, any pushback, any way to, to extend this or, or call for more hearings? 
you can call for it. The Republicans are saying, let's have more time on this. Even some Democrats don't like that. It's just this quick thing. But when you're the chair of a committee, you know, and you're the party in power, which is Democrats, that's your prerogative. That's just how it works. I'm not saying it's the best thing, but that is just how it works. And you talked about the comparison. So you have this packed meeting down the hall. Just imagine this. You have this packed meeting down the hall, standing room only, line out the door to speak. You're only limited to two hours on these gigantic problems. One of the, arguably two or the top three problem that the legislature has to solve this session. And just down the hall, there's a hearing where you can, where they're talking about making you pay a $10 fee and get a voter education card if you want to power a human powered uh, watercraft like a paddleboard a kayak a canoe ten dollar fee you have to take a safety class and then you have a card that you have to be on your person the card the card lasts for 20 years and if you don't have that card you can get a ticket for paddleboarding because you didn't take it that's just down the hall and guess what you can talk they, this the testimony there as long as you want <laughs> that that gets as much time. This ten dollar fee and this, you know, keep your license on you when you kayak, canoe, or paddleboard. That gets all the time in the world. But trying to solve our problem with drugs in, in the city gets rushed through and uh, unbelievable. Uh, Matt, can you yep. stay with us for another break? You sure can. I'd love it. Uh, Matt Markovich from the Cairo Newsroom here. We'll talk a little more about what's going on in Olympia this legislative session. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We will be right back after these. I tried to make me go to rehab. I said no. Welcome back to Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. Joining us is Matt Markovich, the Cairo Newsroom. Let's just take a moment to speak of what a loss Amy Winehouse talent was. Oh, well, that's a that, Matt's. There's Matt playing an appropriate song. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, well done, my friend. Yeah, the, the fact that this woman never got to make a Bond movie song is just a heartbreaking. So we were talking before the break about how. The Washington State Legislature has designated just two hours of public debate and hearings for uh, a law to replace the expiring laws on drug possession in the state of Washington, a a key, key element of this state's health and safety. Meanwhile, down the hall, they have a hearing on uh, man-powered watercraft, i.e. paddle boards, kayaks, canoes, and the need to license them and have that license on with on board with you mm-hmm. as you paddleboard, and we're not we're not belittling the need for licensing or training. Just for 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 perspective on this, I did have a texter earlier that said he is a ferry captain, and he has actually had to rescue paddleboarders and kayakers, and wished that they had more of a clue of what they were doing. Yeah, so we're all for that. I think we were speaking to the fact that they need to maybe look at their priorities a little bit in Olympia about giving more time, appropriate time, to the big issues that are going to affect the safety and health of the state. Well, in fairness to the uh, human-powered, human watercraft-powered license, it's not really, it's just basically you have to take a safety class and pay 10 bucks. And here's the, here's the thing about that. If you look down in what's known as the fiscal note, that means you know how much it's going to cost the state to do this and how much money they're getting. They figure over the lifespan of this license, which is it's good for 20 years once you get it. Um, it's going to bring in 9.5 million dollars but it's going to cost 7.5 to implement it (laughs) so 
Um, well, at least and, it's but, not. At least the it's purpose, not. Again, the purpose <laughs> is that they want to ha- educate people that they should wear life jackets, but there's no requirement. Right. And there's already carve outs. Uh, you know, the, if you are floating down the river in an inner tube, you know, using your hands to paddle, that that's exempt. If you're if you're surfing at Westport, you know. That's exempt. Well, it should be. <laughs> so it's not a law to wear a life jacket as is. is am I correct on that? It, no, you. Um, it, it, it depends on the circumstance. Let's put it that way. You, you, you're supposed to wear a life jacket. You're supposed to wear a life jacket, but it's not enforced. Uh, let's put it that way. And it depends if, on the if, circumstances, if, like with, with with personal use drugs. If you're a 300 pound guy. You know, personal use cocaine is a lot more than a, a 85 pound female, right? Well, you know, yeah. and the people that were testifying against the this bill, and most of it, almost everybody who testified was against it, were the professional rowers and canoers. They're like, I'm in a competition. How can I wear a life jacket? And how, you want me, these guys, to get a boating safety class? You know, and we travel all over the country. Do I have to carry it with me? And what's the fine? And who's really going to paddle out to check if I have my. I mean, it was just like, what? Uh, so, okay, I shouldn't show my biasness. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, that's my favorite part of getting to speak to you. That's Matt Markovich from the Cairo Newsroom, is learning about you and the stuff that your life, what you've done along the road, man, to get you where you are. You've got yeah. incredible skills as, a, as an investigative reporter. I mean, you are such an asset to the Cairo well, Newsroom. I, I mean that wholeheartedly. I've been watching what you do for years. Um, but you're a guy with such a interesting path. To get to yeah. where you are today. Um, now, I was told to ask you about hookers. Is this something in, in oh. Olympia we're talking about? <laughs> or is this a, well, you, you transitioned I'm, from my past to hookers. I'm thinking, uh, oh, do I, no, how did I, I tell I, I misspoke, and boy, that painted an ugly picture. I meant to say strippers. <laughs> I meant to say strippers. I went strippers. to a mud wrestling event in, in Hollywood once. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> well, am I supposed to ask him about strippers? Matt Butler, yeah, no, yeah, he's correct. Okay. So, so um so it's a bill that they're actually talking about. They talked about it today, uh, a bill to basically revamp the adult entertainment business in Washington state. And the setup for this is, you know, the pandemic hit. You couldn't have any close contact. So basically strip joints were just out the whack. They didn't, they haven't anything. They were one of the last businesses, according to the industry people that talk there, last businesses to open following COVID because of the nature of their business. So there's actually a bill to revamp how the adult entertainment business is done in Washington State. And one of the biggest things about it is allowing all forms of alcohol sales in a strip joint. Right now, in in an adult entertainment club in the state of Washington, the hardest stuff you can serve is Coke Zero. It's just soda. You can't serve any alcohol, although people show up drunk. And believe it or not, the, the... People who testify were all in for in favor of these changes, except one, which was the owner of Deja Vu, uh, adult gentlemen's club where they uh, women remove their clothing. It's well known they have a couple places around here. The owner has several gentlemen clubs uh, in other states, and he says it's going to change the relationship between the performer and the businesses because it's going to put requirements on how the performer pays the adult. Uh, pays the club right now strippers basically rent the time they pay the the business time for them to perform and then in turn they have to you know the the, the business is trying to sell as many cokes as they can right. and they 
charge rooms in the back where the the performers go. We like call that VIP. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then so, but uh, more importantly, surprisingly, the the club uh, the dancers who testified who dance in other states like Idaho and Oregon where they allow alcohol in the clubs, they say the crowd there with alcohol is much tamer. They get violently attacked in Washington State when the people are sober. And and when you have alcohol, it allows the people who are attending these um, clubs to be uh, more relaxed and engaging with the staff and engaging with the with the performers. And that actually reduces the threat of violence. So the alcohol not only will pay, earn more money for the club so they don't take it from the dancers, it relaxes the clientele that goes there. And also part of this bill is that there'll be a requirement for the staff of the clubs to get, uh, get security training and install things like a panic button for the dancers in case they get in trouble. They hit a button and these trained security people now come in and, uh, they were, dancers are complaining the bouncers they have now are not trained security people. So it's a, almost like a total revamp of the adult industry. And that's before the legislature. And I, no one's talked about it. I happened to find that bill. They had, they had talked about it today. I found that interesting. So I'm talking to you about it. Well, that you brought it to the right show. This is the show with ex- not just experience, but care about the single mothers in, in Washington. Sorry, that's the oldest joke in the book. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a, a, I've lived in numerous states in my life. I lived in Florida for a while where the peeler bars, as they're called, in some, part, some parts of the country, especially up in Vancouver, uh, peeler bars, um, because they peel off clothes, Matt. It makes sense, right? Matt Butler's in Vancouver. Is that the yep. Canadian verbiage? <clears throat> yeah, the peeler, okay. got onto the peeler bars up there in Vancouver, you know. So, anywho. <laughs> to know. Anywho, um, these young women who are working, most of them are – short on options. I, I hope I'm not being demeaning in that regard. I mean that literally they are doing what they feel they need to do to further their life, their career, their families and to protect them and allow them to earn as much as possible in a safe environment that uh, mm-hmm. it helps g- give guys an out. You know, it, I equate it really, it's no different than at your bikini barista stands. If they're going to be, and, and those are much tamer, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, don't we at least want a safe place where a legitimate uh, income can be earned, where trained security is on hand? That seems like good legislation, good use of the time down in Olympia. Yeah, and, and I um, I didn't even think about the argument on how alcohol would affect the customers. And there were about four or five dancers that testified saying that's a that would be so helpful in Washington State is if we can get the customers – the ability to drink alcohol in the premises because right now they don't they can't do that under those terms they must love it when a limo full of potheads rolls up yeah, <laughs> yeah it's one thing you know that that question actually came up can you serve pot could they yeah. you know, sell pot in and you can't right now in the state of washington you cannot serve you cannot sell weed where there's alcohol. Well, there's, uh, yeah, it can't mix up your magic there. Yeah. yeah. That's understandable, too, because, you know, things are cumulative. Altering substances are cumulative. I've learned over my years of vast research. Um, hey, Matt Markovich, thank you so much. <laughs> I, I know you work a long day, man. And when, when you give us a little time of your personal private life you know, at home. I to really come on. enjoy sitting here at night talking to you. It's just, I, it just like I'm loosening up and I can just feel like I can talk. So that's good. I like it. Right on, buddy. Well, it's always a pleasure to have you on anytime. We'd like to have you back on a regular basis, especially as they as they do the early rounds of, of legislative 
you know, thinning the herd. It's kind of like a Sweet 16 tournament. We get down to the real meat and potatoes of the of the session. What's actually got a chance of becoming law and affecting the lives of the people of Washington State. Well, Mark- everybody has until February 17th to submit their bills, and after the 17th, that's known as the cutoff date. No more new ideas. Do you, do you have a do you have a bill number for the uh, the adult dancer bill you were talking about? I do. Hold on. A texter wanted to know. An, an involved citizen wanted to know. I love the text line here, by the way. 888-973-5476 if you want to give um, us your That bill number is, is I have it listed right above uh, chain, the Evergreen State is the nick, state nickname. Did you know that's not the official state nickname? Of our state? It's not the Evergreen State. What's the official you know, nickname? Everyone thinks it's the official name, but it's not. It's right. uh, it's There is no official state nickname. Oh, uh, it's Senate Bill fifty six fourteen SB fifty six fourteen, and that's and what is it? What does it have a name to it, or just? Uh, it's concerning adult entertainment establishments. That's gotcha. kind of the title of it. Sounds so it's Senate Bill fifty six fourteen. I can start naming the numbers here for people who want to keep scoring. I, I don't know if they care much about it other than the strippers. That was really all they were about. <laughs> Matt Markovich, Cairo Newsroom. Thanks so much, bud. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. It's Cairo Nights. I'm Spike O'Neill along with Matt Butler. We'll be right back. I'm Spike O'Neill. Matt Butler's on the board. Uh, boy, people love when Matt Markovich comes on and talks to, uh, talks Olympia. Um, and uh, it wasn't just the last bill we talked about. State Bill... Uh, <laughs> it's not State Bill 45 Double D, <laughs> which was a pretty good joke, though. Thank you for that one. That was pretty good. Um, it was State Bill... Uh, I can write it down. 5614, concerning adult entertainment clubs. Concerning alcohol and strip clubs from the 425. Uh, my viewpoint is that when you customers come in, if you serve them alcohol inside the building, you can at least keep track of what they're consuming and potentially see any issues as they rise and stop them before there's trouble. Someone else who's not drinking in the club could pound a dozen shots in an hour and a half, and you wouldn't know until they're in your establishment and hits them an hour into it. Uh, just my take. It's, it's actually a very good point. Most people who go to strip clubs where they don't serve alcohol tend to drink in the parking lot of the club. Then when they come out, there's still a bottle of booze in their car, and they tend to drink again. Oh, another uh, listener asked, how do we find out, uh, or who do we write to about this right on red nonsense? How do we contact our legislators uh, when we want to have uh, public input on these issues? You know, much like the drug possession Laws, which are about to expire, as Matt Markovich was telling us. It's going to expire this summer, and there will be no law on the books. They're trying to find a solution to what to do about drug possession in Washington. Everything from throw the book at you, five years, $25,000 fine, to legalizing everything. I think both of those are the wrong answer, too extreme. There's got to be some type of solution that involves, you know, consequence for criminal possession. And because it's a lot different nowadays, like like Matt was saying, you can be caught with a thousand pills in downtown Seattle and get a go to rehab slip. You know, times are changed, man. When I was a kid, when I was a young adult, uh, old enough to go to jail and was caught in possession of, you know, a little bit of pot in the in the 80s, I spent the night in jail for a for what 
you lose in a seat cushion of a sofa these days. But the problem with all of this, Spike, is that we have had decades of the war on drugs, asset seizures, funding out the wazoo, and it has not done much to reduce people's desire to try drugs. So the war on drugs is an abject failure. You can't go back to it. Uh, uh, you know, I, I agree, but I'm also I'm also not for the legalize everything crowd either. I'm really not, you know, because there are drugs that that are much more harmful to the human psyche than than alcohol and pot. Uh, you know, I, psychedelics when are talk- criminals control <clears throat> the supply chain that increases the risk of overdose and terrible things happening to people before you can get them into rehab. That's that's not up for debate. You're absolutely right about that. So how do we find that balance, man? How do we find that healthy, healthy for society, healthy for the individual balance? Is it to make things legal to for the state to be in the heroin business? I mean, I, you know, what I'm saying it's 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 a tough it's needle a to thread. Needle to thread. But Thank at the you. same time, I don't think putting people in jail for possession no, does much I, either. I agree. I agree. You're right about that. And and in most in most legal drug cases, the goal isn't to put people in jail for possession. The goal is to charge people with possession to get them to tell you where they got it so you can move up the food chain and stop distribution. I mean, I I don't know the answer. I I know that I have toyed with substances in my life, found them to be addictive, found that I had lost control, and found that I needed to live my life without them. And and, and that's not the case for everybody. Some folks can manage uh, alcohol use, drug use. And it's, it's a health issue. It's a mental health issue. I firmly believe that. But like Matt Markovich was saying, speaking about the homeless community, that the problems in the homeless community are one-third drug use, one-third mental health, one-third economic. And the first thing he would do as someone who has done extensive work, literally literally in the field of this field, that the first thing he would do is send in the DEA and get the drug dealers out there because they're preying on the folks with addiction and the folks with mental illness. You know, and it's... It's, it's, it's a tough problem to solve, but it's a problem worth solving. <clears throat> I, I, I think fentanyl is a different beast altogether. It's a dragon, man. It's, it's deadly. And fentanyl distribution, that's, boy, that, there's a punishment that should fit the crime for that kind of stuff. Uh, <laughs> from the 360, people who tip drink, or people who drink tip better. It's a fact, especially in, in adult clubs. I said, gentlemen's clubs, and a texter said, those aren't gentlemen. I've been in there. They're not gentlemen. A lot of them are. A lot of us are. Hey, let's not be sexist. Some of our ladies, too. Amen. It's Kyra Knights. I'm Spike O'Neill with Matt Butler. We'll be right back.